Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Testing, testing, one, two, three. <laughs> okay, so they actually changed up the microphones on me. Uh, all right, no, that's this is this is a perfect start. Welcome, guys, to World Sports Roundabout, the only show out there on Radio DePaul Sports, and where we talk about. Oh no, I'm gonna mess up my my little, my little catchphrase here. Let me try this again. Hello, guys, welcome to World Sports Roundabout, the only show out there that looks at sports around the world and tells you what the sports are all about. Welcome, you guys, to the final week of March, at least in terms of the winter quarter, uh, March 14th, 2022. Uh, here at Rio de Paul Sports, generally, you know, we sometimes we'll do the show, sometimes we won't. Uh, it is finals week, so, of course, our education is the at the frontmost uh, importance. Uh, for me, I have pretty much finished the Pretty much all my finals. Uh, I have one assignment pretty much left. Uh, it's a screen running course, and I'm pretty much halfway done. So if I get good progress done uh, today, I should be done tomorrow. So I just went ahead and did the show today. We've got a good one today. Oh, my goodness. I have had so much fun uh, looking up these countries so for us to look over today. Uh for some of y'all, uh, I might have mentioned this before, but I am a huge baseball fan. Uh, very glad that uh, baseball, well, kind of glad. I'm kind of glad that they came to an agreement with the CBA and we'll get some baseball here in Chicago because uh, I'd love to see some uh, Chicago Cubs and White Sox games. I've never, I've only lived in Chicago for what, since December, so like October, November, December, maybe four or five, six months now? Because nine plus three is 12. And it's three, so yeah, about six months now. But uh, never been to a Chicago uh, sports game, so I'd definitely like to go see it. Although that does kill my dreams of potentially the MLB calling up for tryouts and replacement players, and I'd be a MLB second baseman. But it is what it is, and that's the uh, that's the reality of life, I guess. We've got our countries today i think i already stated that but we'll just go ahead and get started in there because there is a couple things i'd like to talk about at the end uh so the only way to start is by starting and the only way to do that is to begin so let's do that we're gonna start off with aruba aruba um which i believe is a little bit off the coast of uh gosh i've never been great with like the caribbean uh the Caribbean, uh, 
map. But I believe it's a little off of uh, South America. Yeah, it's a little bit off the coast. Uh, I think like it's right by Venezuela. It's close. It's close enough. Close enough for the uh, for the purposes of this show. Uh, but Aruba's a beautiful place too. I actually, I've I've stayed before that I travel a lot, so like I've seen a lot of these Caribbean countries. Aruba is one of the few that I've only been there once. And I don't even really remember when, but I remember going there once and like some of the things that I'll be reading. But like we're, we'll just breeze through the first two countries today, um, just just because there's not there's a lot, and I can get really passionate about it, but um. Uh, you'll see. You'll see. All right. So we're starting off with Aruba. Uh, so Aruba, because of their uh, tourism revenue, they've been able to put a lot of economic resources into their sports programs and events. Uh, Aruba doesn't necessarily have any professional leagues, per se, but they do have a lot of recreational uh, sports, such as basketball, and the citizens are competitive and things like Baseball and soccer. Um, other popular sports in the area include fishing and kite surfing. I believe kite surfing it isn't the same as para uh, parasailing, but it's like, it's, uh, I think it's like the type of sail that you use. Like, parasailing is like one that you, uh, you, you have your like board and then you gotta hold on to the side and the like the sail is like right by your board and I believe at kite sailing essentially like you have some you're holding on to something uh and there's like a little kite out in front of you that that's what I'm guessing unless I'm thinking of parasailing and that's actually like when you're on the back of a boat and like the boat goes forward and you go up in the air that might be parasailing, and then kite surfing is exactly what I'm talking about with the uh, the kite on the side. I should probably figure that out first, because, uh... Okay, so kite surfing is the one that actually goes up in the air, and parasailing is the one with the board. Okay, so that's great. I didn't know it was called kite surfing. I, I don't know what I thought it was called, but that's cool. I'm glad I learned it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, popular sports also include kite surfing, fishing, and diving. Aruba has several recreational basketball programs. Uh, the one, or the main one in particular, consists of 16 teams with over 200 players ages 12 to 18. The, main, the program's main objective for their athletes to win, of course, but also to earn an academic scholarship to play in the United States. Aruba has also been working on trying to get one of their certified referees for international FIFA events. Aruba has had a couple of MLB players. Some of the, some of them you might be a little bit more familiar. Some of them might be uh, obscure. Um, their first one was uh, Eugene Nicedale. Who played for a handful of teams from 1996 to 2003. Uh, didn't have a very prolific career, but if you are a world baseball, you know, a world baseball, a world baseball classic fan, and you're aware of the Netherlands, which I should probably specify too, uh, Aruba is a principal. I think it's called what they call like a principality kingdom in the Netherlands. 
So it's so it's an independent country, but it's technically it's its own government, but it's like how do I word it? I'm trying to think. It's kind of like how Puerto Rico is its own country, but technically it's owned by America. That's the same thing with Aruba with the Netherlands. I don't really know what it's called. I'd, I'd love to know. But essentially, uh, Eugene Ninesdale played for the Netherlands in 2013 uh, World Baseball Classic. Those Netherlands teams made, I, I don't want to say history, but it was considered an upset at the time. And where they beat the Dominican Republic twice, including the second game. And that's the big upset that people like to talk about. Um, Eugene Knightsdale hit or uh, drove in the tying run and then was the winning run in that, uh, I think it was the first round, that first round clinching game uh, that eliminated the Dominican Republic from the World Baseball Classic. So a little bit of nice little history uh, there. I, I didn't realize that was the guy. Like, just looking at his career, he didn't do a whole bunch of that, but... I didn't realize that he was the guy who drove in a tying and winning run. It was a 2-1 game. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't realize that he uh, that, that was the guy. That was the guy because I think he slid into home too. So, I mean, like, I, I remember in my head. I just, I don't know. It's still cool, I guess. Other players include Dander Bogarts, the shortstop for the Boston Red Sox, a three-time All-Star, a four-time Silver Slugger, and a two-time World Series champion. And Sidney Ponson. If you don't know who Sidney Ponson is, you clearly didn't play a lot of uh, 2K basketball. Uh, not basketball, but baseball. Uh, MLB Power Pros. Sidney Ponson was just, just this guy. And in the games that I play, he was on the Twins. Uh, I know he played for the Orioles. Uh, in 2K5, um, I know he played for the Yankees at one point. But if you don't know Sidney Ponson, the player, you might know... Or how, how do I want to wear this? Sidney Ponson, uh, a 91... 91 wins, 113 losses, with a 503 ERA, over 1,000 strikeouts. Playing for the Orioles, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Twins. Again, like I said, uh, the Rangers and the Royals with a couple of uh, returns back to Baltimore and Kansas and New York. No, 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 New York. Uh, but if you don't really know him for his baseball career, you might know how he has troubles the law because he's had a decent amount of trouble with the law. So when he was in the middle of his second stint with the Orioles, he was arrested in Aruba for assaulting an Aruban judge uh, who had complained about Ponson's handling of his pirate boat. He he was jailed at times. He, he, he was jailed for like 11 days and then he was let go because he reached some sort of settlement and stuff like that. Uh, then he was charged uh, like a couple days later for DUI in Florida. And I think there's a law in where 
or maybe it was just because he was in jail. I thought it was when I read this, I thought it was might have been like a law in where if he got caught with DUI, he couldn't go into Canada. Uh, but I'm guessing it's probably more of his arrest. But then the state said like a visa was granted. So that would imply that like. I don't know. But essentially, there's like fear because they're playing. Because, uh, you know, it was before spring training. So then there was kind of fears that like, oh, well, he was arrested for DUI. He might not be able to go into Canada. But he got into Canada and started to play. Then in August of 2015, he was again arrested for DUI in downtown Baltimore. And then he was released from custody. But because of the second driving event, um, during that time, or no, sorry, prior to that 2015 event, I'm like reading, I'm, I didn't put this on there, but I thought that that might be a point that you guys might want to hear. So I'm like reading this for the first time. And I do that a lot, but I did take notes on Sidney Ponson and just wrote down like legal issues. So I don't remember. I don't remember the incidents, incidences, and all but So prior to the second drunk driving, they actually tried to trade uh, Ponson for Phil Nevin, which honestly was a good trade, I think. I think Phil Nevin is a significantly better player than Ponson, even at that point in time. But, uh, Nevin invoked his no-trade clause, but then once he did get arrested for uh, his second uh, DWI, uh, the Orioles released Ponson and voided his contract, uh, citing moral clauses. And then there was a grievance, and then he ended up getting $10 million. So that's pretty much it for Sidney Ponson. He, he's never been an all-star. He's never been considered, like, a star. He was just always a pitcher on teams. Uh, and he is from Aruba. So that is nice. Uh, other than that, their uh, national team are... Uh, internationally recognized by FIFA. Prior to 1986, all Arubans uh, represented in the Olympics were under the Netherlands flags. Aruba now sends their own athletes. Aruba has competed in nine Olympic Games. Miguel Jansen is essentially like their big Olympian star. Uh, he holds the country's world record for long-distance events. Nothing of a note. I, I don't see that he won any sort of medals, but he is a pride and joy in Aruba, and that concludes Aruba. We're going to talk about Carousel next. Carousel is also it's also another country. I thought Car for the longest time, I didn't realize that Carousel and Venezuela are two different countries. But I, I knew what Carousel was because of the because uh, the first point that we're going to make. Because uh, as someone who grew up uh, having to watch Atlanta Braves games, I was a huge fan of Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones was essentially like the was a really good I guess I guess he would be considered a five-tool player because that's technically how he came up. 
I mean, then he started hitting for power, and then he stopped running. Um, but he start, but you know, five tool guy could hit for average, hit for power. You know, steal steal some bases early on in his career. He won a bunch of Gold Gloves and stuff like that. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I knew that Carousel was there. But I was always under the impression that, like, when people were like, oh, he's from Carousel. I was like, oh, he's from, like, uh, he's from Venezuela. And then, to my surprise, like, I remember this particular year. It was 2013. I went to Carousel uh, with family and stuff like that. And just, like, it's it's such a beautiful country. Uh, nice warm weather. Nice crystal clear water. Just very nice. I'm like, I, I really do want to go back. Uh, I had... I, what was that the place that had ostrich burger? That was the place that had an ostrich burger. Yeah, because we went to a uh, a special kind of reservation, uh, and where you know they co- they conserve the ostriches, but you know also when you conserve, you gotta have to like you don't want them to overpopulate too. So like I I don't know the whole deal with that, but uh, it was it was okay. Ostrich I I don't I don't know if that's uh that's something I want again, but um it is in fact. A thing you can eat. But yes, Andrew Jones uh, is from Carousel. A five-time All-Star with the Braves. A ten-time Gold Glover. Also with the Braves. A Silver Slugger winner. Uh, also has a NPB championship and made an All-Star team in 2013. Andrew Jones. NPB, for those of you who aren't aware, is the Nippon Professional Baseball League, uh, which is located in Japan. Uh, is Andrew Jones a Hall of Famer, you might ask? I don't know. I think the biggest issue is that Andrew Jones, I don't... Andrew Jones is, like, a very complex thing. I don't know his... Because what was his prime? That was the biggest thing. Like, Andrew Jones, yeah, he won a... He won gold gloves. I don't know if he was a really great fielder. I think he had a really good glove, but I don't know if he was a really great fielder per se Andrew Jones while he could hit for power was never like a great power bat and like he had this one outlier like here's this dude who could hit like you know 30 35 home runs and then one year he hits 51 and then that's his that's his peak year and then he just starts tailing off and I think the steroid issues is gonna come up because like the previous year he was actually slumping and then he comes back in 2005, and it hits 51, and then he doesn't come anywhere close to that, and then he just slips off. So I think that's going to be kind of the interesting thing. Also, just the hardware, like, yeah, he he made five All-Stars. Yes, he won 10 gloves, but that was about it. That That's his career, essentially. That was all between um, 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7. Yeah, 2003 and 2000, uh, 2007. And again, the outlier in that is 2005. So, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. He's still on the ballot. So, I mean, it's clear that there is some consideration for him. I don't know if he ever gets in. But, you know, it's a thought. It's an interesting question. It's definitely an interesting question. Uh, then, you know, another player from Carousel is Kennedy Jansen. The closer, I guess closer reliever. Because, I mean, I don't know. He, sometimes he's not really good as a closer. So he might be just considered a reliever. But I think he's still the closer in uh, Los Angeles. It's pretty Los Angeles Dodgers. 
He's a three-time All-Star, one of the members of the 300 Saints Club. He's also from Carousel. Uh, if you're a Little League World Series fan, uh, Willingstead Carousel uh, won the World Championship in 2004, beating the Thousand Oaks California Little League team. That team had Drixton Profar, a at the time I think he, I think he did make he did make it to the league. Okay, but uh, Drixton Profar was this prospect, this like highly touted shortstop prospect uh, that was talked about like he was going to be the next big thing. He's now playing on the San Diego Padres. He does look like the real thing. Um, I don't know what his uh, projection is. I mean, he has a nice swing. I don't, you know, he's a shortstop, so he's not really expected to have those kind of power numbers. Uh, but I think he definitely can. I think, definitely think he's worth, like, all the uh, the hype about. Definitely has a really good glove, really good strong arm for his shortstop. Definitely enjoy that. Uh, also on that team was Jonathan Scope, who was a 2017 All-Star. Uh, he is currently playing for the Detroit Tigers. Scope, I think, really got to be a household name uh, because of his time in Baltimore. And then he just kind of, uh, I don't want to say he fell off, but like he could never really replicate those numbers that he was doing in Baltimore. And then um, more or less just, you know, he's bouncing around. I think he had a, somewhat of a bounce back year in Detroit. So that's good for him. Uh, the carousel team, in 2004, actually made it to the finals of the 2005 team. And it's the same Little League team in Carousel. This is the uh, World Series that I was first introduced to. That's, this is how I knew about Little League World Series because I don't remember exactly where or when. It was either in Florida in a pizza hut or at my grandmother's house in Marion, South Carolina. I don't remember which of the two. I remember watching a World Series game in both places. Um, I'm almost certain that, like, the one, I think it was one of the Georgia uh, wins in, like, 2008, 2009 that I watched at my grandmother's house, but I'm not certain. But the 2005 team also had a profile in it. Uh, but they lost on one of, at the time, Two walk-off home runs. The home run hitter was Michael Minima from Iwa Beach, Hawaii. He hit a home run in the seventh. I believe it was a 2-1 game uh, that Hawaii won. And that, that World Series was, like, weird. Because I didn't under I was just getting into baseball at that point, And I still really didn't understand what was going on. So, like, uh, when... Georgia in 09, I think. 08, they won it, but in 09, uh, when Georgia hit the walk-off, I was like, oh, th that's what it is. The walk-off home run. Now I understand what exactly happened. That's really cool. It was a really special moment. Uh, I, I mean, I was rooting for Hawaii because, I mean, USA, USA, USA. <laughs> but I didn't. if I knew what I knew about the uh, carousel team, because apparently the carousel team uh, was really good during that time. For, so, I don't know. I don't know if I would have rooted for the Hawaiian team <laughs> to do that, especially, like, if I knew that some of their players would be major league prospects. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, I was, like, 
what, 24 now. I would have been three in 2020. Oh, that's 2020, but 2000. Uh, so that, what, I would be seven? I'd be seven probably, yeah. Other than that, uh, well, also, before I just move on to the last little points that I have, uh, if you guys are interested in learning about uh, Carousel's Little League culture, uh, I would recommend the documentary Boys of Summer. It's a 2010 documentary uh, highlighting Carousel's Pablo, Pablo, Pablo. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a guess here, but uh, Paboa's uh, Little League going for their eighth straight uh, Caribbean championship. For those of you who are unaware of how the uh, Little League qualification goes, you essentially have to win your regional, then your district, then your countries, or if you're in the U.S., a state, and then your regional. So they're trying to win the Caribbean slot for the Little League World Series. They're trying for their eighth win, uh, having to defeat teams like Puerto Rico, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Excuse me. And the Dominican Republics to earn a spot in Williamsburg. Uh, in case you're wondering, from 04 to 09, Carousel, a Carousel team made it in every Little League World Series. So that's a big accomplishment. So, again, eight straight years. Well, I guess that's not true because, I mean, eight. So maybe it's kind of like the early 2000s. I don't know. I can't do the math real quick because we don't really have that kind of time. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I've watched it before. Um, it's really cool. It's really interesting, The uh, you know, seeing those dreams, uh, seeing them fight as they do um, for the, that little uh, – for their championships, the kind of uh, – situations that they have at home, the type of work that they put in to just be, even have the opportunity to leave the country and stuff like that, the amount of work that their parents have to go through. I mean, I highly recommend it. But yeah, uh, just a suggestion from a World Sports Roundabout. So, you do you. Um, The Carousel National Football Team, and football, by that I mean associations, you know, associated football or soccer, Won the 2017 Caribbean Cup, defeating Jamaica in the finals, which qualified them for the 2017 CONCACAFA World Cup. In case you're wondering, yes, Carousel didn't win a game in that World Cup, but thank you for asking. They traveled to Thailand for the 2019 King Cup. Um, from what I understand, it's it's a country tournament in where. Thailand invites all the invites like three other teams and they compete in this round robin tournament and then uh you know they compete for a cup. Well, I think like in that particular version it was India, India for sure. I think it was Nepal that was the second team and then it was Carousel. And Carousel won the thing. They beat Thailand. I remember this cuz there's this uh this YouTuber who uh, who talks about the troubles and his uh, issues with the Thailand national team. Um, 
I don't remember his name, but I, I definitely could, like, look on my phone. But I won't because we need to move on. But, yeah, so their soccer team actually is pretty decent, uh, Carousel. I think they've only gotten uh, to the second round of FIFA qualifications. But they do have talent to, you know, beat teams like Jamaica, which, you know, they aren't great, but they aren't, like, a pushover. And they beat Thailand in a place far from home. So that is that is something. Other sports, as I kind of mentioned earlier in the past, because of the warm weather and the uh, crystal clear waters, are wind sailing. I guess that's the same. Well, that's, what's, oh, I guess maybe that's what Paris. What I'm thinking is called parasailing, but uh, wind sailing, which is the thing that you're holding on to a bar, and then there's the little uh, sail, and then you're on a board. Uh, diving and snorkeling are also popular sports. All right. When we come back, I'm going to take a break. We're going to talk about Puerto Rico, and then we'll kind of see uh, where we go from here. Stay tuned. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin and deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behaviour through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And 1500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound, rethink your behaviour. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Back to World Sports Roundabout. We're in the second half of our show today. Talking about Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely a wonderful, another wonderful uh, 
supposedly I'm supposed to, we're supposed to go there once again for another little vacation this year. I don't know if that will be, uh, if that will happen, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we'll be able to do that. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because Puerto Rico, while it does have a very autonomous government by itself, technically the United States still owns the island. So I, I do want to know what that's called. Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. It's an unincorporated island. Territory? Unincorporated territory. What does that mean? Well, I mean, we're going to learn some words here because I've never heard of an unincorporated territory. Uh, U.S. Constitution applies in each incorporated territory. Unincorporated. So th I guess that would be things like, uh, like America is incorporated. Unincorporated territories, fundamental rights apply as a matter of law, but other constitutional rights are not available. So, essentially, like, certain practices do apply, but it's select groups. So, I mean, you could ch pick and choose what, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, you can pick and choose what, uh, rights apply to which country. So I guess in Puerto Rico's case, they just chose like, hey, you guys can be uh, U.S. citizens by birth, uh, but other forms of aid in terms of loans and stuff like that you're unavailable for. So no wonder what's uh, Aruba. Because Aruba, I'm guessing, would be the kingdom of the Netherlands. Okay. Okay. So the Netherlands is called the Kingdom of the Netherlands, and Curacao is technically part of that country. Uh, is it that also an unincorporated territory? Or is it still under... Uh, it's a constituted... Constituent. Constituted. Well, it's a country in the Netherlands. It's a part of the Netherlands, so we're not going to worry about that, and we're just going to move on, because otherwise I'm going to be staring at that screen trying to figure things out. So it is a unincorporated Ida island within the United States, uh, which means, again, it has its own uh, had select laws, U.S. laws apply to it, and then they have their own laws here or there. Uh, in terms of, like, how do I, how, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best to explain this. So, essentially, Puerto Rico has a good amount of medal-winning Olympians. But there's one thing you kind of have to understand about, like, um, Olympic uh, citizenship and who you could declare for, uh, for like, uh, countries. Because, I mean, each... Excuse me. Sorry, Microsoft. I didn't mean to do that. But, uh... Because certain countries have, like, different rules about, like, uh, how many years you have to be in a country before you can, like, before you can be select, be eligible to be selected by the country for the Olympics, stuff like that. For Puerto Rico, if you're in the United States and you live there for three years plus, 
you can represent the United States. But you don't have to. You can still choose to, you know, be under the Puerto Rican flag. So a lot of the Olympians in Puerto Rico have represented the United States. Puerto Rico as a country has a ton of Olympians, but Puerto Rico, the country, does not have a ton of Olympians. Uh, so, like, you'll see a bunch of Puerto Rico-born athletes that are, you know, talked about as, uh, award, you know, medal winners and stuff like that. But just realize, once again, that Puerto Rico actually hasn't won a ton, actually only recently have won a gold medal. They haven't had a bunch of Olympians that have flown under the Puerto Rican flag. Uh, it was actually only because the uh, Puerto Rico or the United States was upset that Puerto Rico was sending athletes under their flag uh, for competitions that weren't the Olympics. So that's kind of where they were like, no, you guys kind of have to fly on your own flag. So 1948 Olympics, they did just such that. They actually won their first medals in um, the Olympics, which are several boxing, several boxing medals. I believe it was a silver and bronze in light featherweight. I'm not going to look it up, but most, but I do know that most of uh, Puerto Rico's medals in the Olympic Games are in fact boxing based. Uh, the 1988 Winter Games, they sent a ski delegation of six athletes, one of them who are female. Uh, as you can probably guess, the team didn't win any medals, but there was some very high praise in their competitiveness and just their attitude towards the game from other competitors. So I guess that's definitely good. Monica Puig, which sounds familiar. I mean, Puig, obviously Yasiel Puig, the baseball player. But Monica Puig sounds familiar. I don't know how I would know her, though. Monica Puig. Uh, let's see. Does she do anything? Does she go to a finals or something like that? Let's see. No, she didn't do anything like that. I think that might just be how I know her. It was just she uh, She won an Olympics and then... uh. I don't know. That's weird. I don't know why that name sounds familiar because I can't think of any other Puig or any other Monica in tennis. But, okay. Monica Puig won the first uh, goal for Puerto Rico, winning the 2016 women's single. Women's tennis single. Did she beat somebody important in the, uh, in that final? Let's see. Uh, that would be that would definitely be something. Second, third round, the Olympic Games. No, no, she didn't be anybody that I know for sure. I mean, no, I don't know her. All right, well. Okay, well, we'll just move on. But she is the uh, country's, or the island's, or whatever you want to call it, first gold medalist. So, as a U.S. 
Island Country Incorporation. <laughs> uh, a lot of American sports culture is prevalent on the country in and of itself, such as American football, which is played, been played on military bases, um, or the game actually originated from, like games on military bases. They are a member of the International Federation of American Football, or the IF, IFAF. Weird acronym. From what I researched, they have four leagues. I can't get. I don't have any signs that they're. Did, okay, I'll I'll explain like this. So they have a Pee Wee League or the Puerto Rico uh, Pee Wee League for children ages eight to sixteen, um, with different weight classes, stuff like that. There's the Puerto Rico High School Football, which has six varsity teams and three JV teams. And with the JV teams, there are two school-based football teams. And then there are four club-based football teams. So those, I know, are guaranteed. I can find information about both of those. I'm going to mention the two other leagues, but I couldn't find anything that they were functioning past 2016. I can't find any proof that they're still functioning to this day. Uh, the first one is the AFAF League. There were four teams, uh, and they were supposedly rivaling the Puerto Rico American Football League. Supposedly. Uh, their, their goal, according to their website at the time, was they were hoping to be part of the NCAA College Athletics program. But again, I can't find anything that they did anything since 2016. Same thing with the Puerto Rico Football League, which had eight teams at one point. Supposedly, it was founded in 1984. I'm also getting dates that it was founded in 2014, so it's a more relevant thing. It was classified as a semi-professional league. Each team played seven games. Uh, the top four teams made it to a single elimination playoff, uh, culminating in the league's championship game. Again, I can't find anything that states that the league has existed past 2016, so take the last two leagues with a grain of salt. There's never been a player born in Puerto Rico that's ever played in the NFL, but there has been a good amount of Players who have Puerto Rican descent. Uh, Ron Rivera is probably the most famous of the bunch. A linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Uh, who won a championship. I believe that was the 80s, 1985 with Chicago Bears. Or it's 1986. I think they played in the championship in 86. But I believe it's classified as the, uh, as the 85 Bears. I think that's how you classify them. But he became uh, the first NFL player of Puerto Rico descent to win a championship ring. He then became a coach. 
obviously with the Carolina Panthers and the Washington, then Redskins, then football team, now Commanders. Uh, he is the only coach in NFL history to take two losing teams to the playoffs. He did it with the Panthers, who I think went 7-8-1 and one, uh, in 2014. And then he did it with the, uh, the football team in 2020, which I believe was a 6-10 and 10 record. I believe that was the record that they had at the time. Uh, and he won the two Coaches of the Year award. Other notable players, uh, Marco Rivera, who is a guard. Uh, he's a two-time All-Pro, a three-time Pro Bowler, and a Super Bowl championship uh, with, I want to say, the Packers. Yes, yes, with the Packers, with the Packers. Um, Willie Colon, hope that's how I pronounce his name. Uh, Super Bowl champion with the Steelers. Victor Cruz, who, uh, you know, it's also, you know, he had a nickname. What was, I don't remember the nickname, but, you know, Victor Cruz did the salsa dance in the end zone. Uh, he was a Super Bowl champion. He made it a Pro Bowl, you know, unfortunately injuries kind of, Derailed his career like badly, and we'll never really get to know. He'll he'll be in one of those uh, what could have been, you know, with the likes of someone like Icky Davis, who uh had a really great rookie year, did the uh Icky Shuffle, and then got injured, and then never uh, never really played too much after that. I guess what I'm trying to say is like. Don't come up with a really cool dance before you've, before you've made banks. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's probably what I'm trying to say. Um, and Aaron Hernandez. Uh, Aaron Hernandez didn't win anything, but you know who Aaron Hernandez is. We don't need to go through who Aaron Hernandez is, what Aaron Hernandez has done. Neither in high school, college, professionals, or after professional league and stuff like that we don't need to talk about him and i'm not going to so we're going to move on um i'm going to skip talking about baseball right now because i have a ton of notes on baseball and we're just going to talk straight into basketball the first game of basketball was played in 1913 at the ymca oh sorry i need to make sure i say it right at the ymca of puerto rico also established the first tournament in 1916 Sorry. Ah, I have to keep, you know, I have to have to have fun on this too. So, uh, the Bastille de Ballon Sisto Superior Nacional, abbreviated as the BSN, is the top tier professional men's basketball league in Puerto Rico. Sometimes you'll hear former uh, NBA players who aren't really good enough to play in the NBA, can't find their way in the G League somehow make it to leagues like the Puerto Rico League. And then, you know, when a fight happens, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that player used to play on, uh, I don't know, the Knicks, because the Knicks generally have a bunch of these players. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they've had the league, um, which actually is a pretty... Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit different from the other basketball leagues that I've mentioned before, because instead of having, like, a couple teams and playing, like, a few games here, there they play it. You know, they play 36 games and then a playoff. So, I mean, they play 
maybe like 60 something games not 60 something games maybe like 45 games a year if you know if you're a championship team uh hall of fame coaches jack ramsey tex winter red halsman and phil jackson have coached before in the bsn uh mostly in the 50s 60s from what i understand J.J. Barrera is probably the most well-known Puerto Rican-born uh, basketball player. He's the only Puerto Rican-born basketball player to win a championship as well. Uh, the league in itself is 12 teams split into two divisions, A and B. Uh, they play 36 games in a top eight play-in best-of-seven uh, series. So again, you know, you play 36 games, uh, quarterfinals, semifinal finals uh you play seven that's 21 so you know you could play yeah you can play about 50 something games if you're lucky probably more likely you're probably going to play a little something like 45 games which you know it might not sound like a lot but that's kind of equivalent to like college i would think because i mean technically you play what maybe 20 games guaranteed and then, you know, some leagues might play a little bit more. Some leagues will play a little less. And you play in your tournament. So, yeah, you might be give guaranteed like 30 games a year for a college program. You know, professionals playing 30 games there. I think that makes sense. Boxing is another big thing in uh, Puerto Rico. It's always fighting with basketball and baseball. Pretty most popular sport in Puerto Rico. There are... 13 Puerto Ricans in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, I'm going to highlight two. Uh, John Ruiz was the first Latin American world heavyweight champion ever who won on a unanimous decision against the World Boxing Association champion at the time, Evander Holyfield, uh, in 2001. I think he did end up uh, fighting Holyfield again and drawing, thus retaining that title. Although I think, again, he did lose that title afterwards, after that particular fight. And Miguel Cotto, which that name sounds familiar, uh, so I put it run down. Uh, he is the first Puerto Rican boxer to win world titles in four different weight classes. Light welterweight, welterweight, light middleweight, and middleweight. He has also fought the likes of boxers or legends in the game. And I say legends, but like really, it was anyone that I recognized in um, what was the game called? Like Fight Night, Fight Night Round Two, something like that. Um, it was like early 2010s. But um, Shane Mosley. Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Medweather, Canelo Alvarez, you know, he's fought those. He hasn't won. Well, he might have won against Shane. Shane might have been the only one he actually, like, won against. Uh, he didn't win against Manny, didn't win against Floyd, didn't win against uh, Canelo. But I think he won against Shane. So, I mean, again, you know, still, he won four championships in four different weight classes. I think that's relatively impressive. There is a slowly growing association football or soccer uh, fandom 
into countries, they either have or had three amateur programs, Liga Puerto Rico, Liga Nacional de Football de Puerto Rico, and the Puerto Rican Soccer League. I can't find any information on any of them but Liga Puerto Rico, which played 14 games in the season. That's about which I mean. Each team played 14 games is what I mean by that. But I can't find too much about those leagues in particular. There is an attempt with the Puerto Rican Soccer League to create a true professional league. Because those three leagues that I mentioned are classified as uh, they're tier one, but they're considered amateur leagues in terms of like soccer organizations. So I guess what I mean by that is like they're Puerto Rico's tier one leagues. But if you look at those leagues at a international level, they're considered amateur leagues. So more like tier three leagues. But there is an attempt to create a league. Uh, with the goal of having Puerto Rico qualify for the 2026 World Cup. I believe I can definitely tell you, uh, Puerto Rican Soccer League, ProSoccer.com. Uh, if you click on their website, the Puerto Rican Soccer League, it takes you to this page called Liga Pro, which is, I'm guessing, what they're trying to call uh, the Puerto Rican Soccer League nowadays. Um, it's trying to, I guess, trying to revamp. And I, and a lot of this probably in the lack of information, I can't find anything on the uh, Puerto Rican Soccer Leagues, probably has to do with the fact of uh, Hurricane Maria in 2017. If you don't remember, uh, if you don't remember Hurricane Maria, I understand like the past two years probably made you forget everything about 2017 and specifically Hurricane Maria. Uh, remember that the president at the time had an incident with paper towels. And if, if it still is not clicking, just look that up. Uh, um, because that was that was that was funny. Um, not not really great in terms of like, you know, humility and humanity and stuff like that. But funny in terms of the joke, in terms of, you know, late night comedy and stuff like that. Uh, just look at uh, President Pepper Towel throwing, I guess. And then you'll have fun with that. Have fun with that. I'm sh I, I know there's video out there, so. But, uh, yeah, so essentially they're trying to build these green stadiums. Uh, you can actually invest in the league. I'm actually now a little bit curious. You know, we like I started the show late, so we still have some time. Not enough time to do math, but enough time to look at how to make some money, I guess. You know, you can invoice, uh, you could offer support to the Puerto Rican soccer if you wanted to invest in the league. Well, I guess you can't anymore. Okay, you also can't, well, you can't do anything with the league anymore. It's just a page. Oh, really? No. I mean, like, here I am on the show trying to promote Puerto Rican soccer here, 
And you're telling me that none of your links work whatsoever. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try this for a while. Uh, other than that, which we'll we'll move on from the soccer league as I continue to try to figure out how to check and see if you can invest or donate into the league. Puerto Rico is one of the few. I don't want to say is the only, but uh, it seems to be the only. Only volleyball program that actively has a league team. Puerto Rico isn't like a powerhouse in terms of volleyball whatsoever, but they have active volleyball leagues: Liga de Volleyball Superior Masculino, which is the men's league, and uh, Liga de Volleyball Superior Femenino, uh, which is for the ladies. Ten, eight teams who play ten games each. Winner is based on points i'm not a hundred percent certain on how like championships are divided uh because the tables that they show only show that they earned the points and their win-loss record and then when it's tied like clearly a team's going to be higher than the other but i don't know what the tiebreakers are unfortunately the tables just kind of leave it at that uh, other sports include equestrian fencing uh golf horse racing road racing which is essentially like marathon running, wrestling, sailing, tennis, track and field, and softball, which uh, Puerto Rico does have some success. They have produced several uh, really good softball players, both for their country and the United States. Uh, Liz Hernandez, I believe, is the first Puerto Rican-born player to, I don't say win gold, but like, she she's won a lot with the uh US uh Olympic team uh when softball was an Olympic sport. It's it's, it's an Olympic sport now, but it wasn't for like two years or two games, sets of the games and stuff like that. What's it called? It's called uh not La Liga, but it's like Liga Pro Puerto Rico. Trying it, I'm trying a, trying a different uh, browser. Maybe that's kind of why. Okay, you can click on things that they want you to click on. Um, you know, you can tell me all this, but like, you can tell me about the brand, and that's great. But I'm trying to promote this because maybe there are Puerto Ricans out here. Who who want to invest in this league? Who want to see what this league's all about? And I can't I can't tell them about that. I can't tell them a thing about. Can't tell you a thing about the league. That's that's kind of sad. That's absolutely sad. I did find their Twitter though. Uh, and it doesn't really tell me much. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, well. I'm like, I'm, I really am trying. Uh, I, I probably should 
I probably should move on because uh, I don't know how much time we actually have. So, uh, and I do kind of want to talk about something at the end, and I don't want to run out of time. So, let's talk about baseball. Uh, baseball was, you know, it, it was introduced by the island, by uh, Puerto Rico, by Puerto, not Puerto Rico, but Puerto Ricans and Cubans who had learned the game in the United States. Uh, it wasn't really well received by the local press and the general public. The game was kind of seen as silly. But as the economy grew and players such as, well, actually, no, uh, let me take a step back. Uh, MLB players started coming in to the league and participating in uh, the Puerto Rican Baseball League at the time. Most notably, Hank Aaron was one of those players. Those MLB players did love to play in the Puerto Rican Baseball League just because of the competitive level of the league, also because it's very warm. It's invented a culture that uh, more or less is more or less is still true today, although it's not just the Puerto Rican leagues, you know, it's the Mexican leagues, the Venezuelan teams, basically winter leagues uh, around the country. The, the players of the Negro League uh, during that time as well preferred the Puerto Rico Baseball League just simply because of the lack of racism towards the players as opposed to the United States. Obviously, the Negro Leagues had a lot of uh, had a lot of difficulty trying to uh, play games. They had difficulties playing um, what's the term? Uh, you know, sometimes they had difficulties playing games. They uh, the facilities at those stadiums were probably restricted. Difficulty trying to go to games, trying to difficulty staying in hotels and stuff like that. So, that's definitely uh, definitely a big issue. I shouldn't say big issue, but if they're talking about how much they love the uh, Puerto Rican Baseball League, that's great. Uh, what I was going to say earlier was uh, Roberto Clemente and Orlando Cespedes, MLB success, increased the game's popularity. Uh, also, the PR economy grew in the 1950s, so that probably helped as well. It currently has, currently, at least of this recording, uh, March 14th, 2022, currently there are over 100 active players in the MLB and five in the Hall of Fame. I've mentioned two of them who are in the Hall of Fame, Roberto Clemente and Orlando Cespeda. Other players include Roberto Alomar, Yvonne Rodriguez, Edgar Martinez, Alex Cora, Juan Gonzalez, Carlos Delgado, Jorge Bosada, Bernie Williams, Jose Barreos, Edwin Diaz, Yanir Molina, Javier Baez, Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, and Carlos Beltran. And you pick which one is your favorite. Me, personally, it's a tie between Ivan Rodriguez, who's just a really great defensive catcher, and a little bit underrated in terms of offense. Like at times he could he could definitely like lead a team if he absolutely wanted to. Uh Carlos Delgado, I, I know him more of Blue Rays fame, but uh he was really good. Carlos Beltran was also really good. 
He was really good for a. He was added like really good for a decent amount of time. But uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, so the national team is currently ranked 16th in the world as of today. Um, sorry, I'm like, I'm sleepy. Uh, notable achievements include a bronze medal at the 1988 Winter Games. Uh, baseball was an exhibition sport at the time, but still relatively cool there. Uh, they were also the 2013 and 17. World Baseball Classic Silver medalists as well. All right. So now we're going to the league. And I know we're, like, going long. Uh, but I think we'll have time to kind of fit everything in. I think without getting in too much trouble. Hopefully. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Let me do some. Okay. Never mind. It froze for a minute, uh, the clock here. But I think we're all good. Um. So, actually, let me, let's take a commercial break. Let's take a commercial break, and I'll, uh, I'll deal with this issue on this computer. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the third and hopefully quick uh, period of the World Sports Roundabout radio show here on Radio DePaul Sports. Uh, well, we are running significantly longer. I don't think there'll be too much of an issue just because there's no one really following me directly after this show. But we're just going to try to finish this up as quick as we possibly can. Um, so we left off. We talked about how the. What is this? <laughs> oh, no. Okay. We talked about how uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, we're silver medalist in the most recent World Baseball Classic. Now we're going to talk about the baseball leagues in Puerto Rico. Uh, Liga de Baseball Profesional Roberto Clemente. I don't know why I put so much emphasis on them, but I just feel like that they demand a little bit more respect in terms of pronunciation. Maybe. Or maybe I'm just that bad of a person. I don't know. But uh, it is the main professional baseball in the... In Puerto Rico. I don't know why I was in the, but like, all right. Currently, there are five teams. Uh, One team that has been defunct since 08 is supposedly coming back in 2013. So by next year, or even by the winter of this year, they probably will be six. Games are kind of iffy. I can guarantee you that they play at least 30. The one exception is when, of course, Hurricane Maria landed. They only played 17 games. But you are guaranteed to have at least 30 games. Uh, I haven't seen them play too many more games than, like, 40. I think 40 is actually, like, the total that they want to play. But 30 is guaranteed. You're guaranteed at least 30 games. Depending on how many games are played... That season, either three or four teams make it to the playoffs in best of seven or best of nine series. Again, 
that varies between how many teams are actually in the tournament, how many games are played, and what format they want to take for that particular year. Um, and we'll kind of get into why, but it particularly comes down to finances on why. Uh, they have varying uh, different schedule lengths and playoff formats and stuff like that. But winning the the winning team represents the Puerto Rico. Represents the Puerto Rico. I did it again. Represents Puerto Rico in the Caribbean series. I know I said that I would talk about it this time. We clearly don't have time. And uh, we have two more countries really to talk about before we can talk about the Caribbean series. Even though technically they aren't really considered Caribbean countries. Whatever. Uh, formerly the league was known as the Puerto Rican Baseball League. Before that, they were Liga de Baseball Profesional de Puerto Rico. Uh, other notable things or history points that I'd like you to know. The first two clubs were founded in 1897. Uh, the Almaderas Baseball Club and the Borniquin Baseball Club. That game was first played January 11th, 1898, and where Borokwin beat Almaderas 3-0, and then a couple of days later, they played a true 9 inning game. Uh, Borokwin beat Almaderas again, 9-3 time. Liga de Baseball Semi-Professional de Puerto Rico was founded in 1938 with Six professional teams, although they were a semi-professional league. The first uh, Puerto Rican-born players in MLB history, Ibram Bittorn and Luis Olmo, uh, played during the first inaugural seasons of the semi-professional Liga de Baseball Semi-Professional de Puerto Rico. Uh, during the first couple of years, there were several changes um, of rules and tweaks here and there. So, in the early years, changes in the roster were only allowed during the first half of the season. So, they had essentially like a trade deadline or a uh, roster lock kind of. Uh, kind of like once trade deadline passes, then there used to be a waiver wire for a month. And then the rosters were more or less set in stone. Uh, games varied during that time from 40 to 80 games during those times. The All-Star game was scheduled to concise with the traditional Three Kings Day, which generally falls on January 6th and is, I've learned, a Christian feast day that celebrates the revelation of God incarnate as Jesus Christ. Uh, essentially, the reason for this is because uh, one of the owners wanted to sell, uh, wanted to uh, buy toys, rather, the proceeds to the All-Star game to go out to buy toys for the, I'm guessing, the children of the, of the Puerto Rico. It's not the Puerto Rico, it's just Puerto Rico. But, um, that was, uh, held for decades, but then once uh, network ca or cable television, network television 
came into scene on the island. Uh, those dates were changed to try to comply with the dates that uh, networks wanted to set. The league was renamed to Liga de Baseball Profesional de Puerto Rico in 1941, essentially moving the league to professionalism. Uh, they adopted a format of halves uh, and where they tried to do it kind of like soccer, you know. Uh, actually, it's kind of like baseball, actually. More, more like baseball. Because it used to be that you played um, two halves in a season. You played the first half, and that was the champion of that half. And then you had the second half, and then the winner of that half, and then the two winners of both halves played for the pennant. Uh, I do remember that. Actually, it's still relatively recent because, I mean, that was like, what, maybe like the 70s? Like the last couple of years, the 70s, and where they did that? Or the last or the last time that that system was a thing? I'll have to look that up later. But um, it was changed because one team, Leon de Pont, which happens to be the, one, the team that's coming back in 2013, or a form of it, I should say, uh, managed to somehow win three consecutive championships without having to participate in a final by winning both uh, winning both halves. Which is impressive. Leon, uh, Leon's is one of the most, or was one of the most powerful teams in Puerto Rican history. I think it's now like ranked third all time. Uh, I think there's two teams ahead of them nowadays, but they, they were a powerhouse definitely in the early days, definitely in the 70s, um, and they've had a couple of like really good teams in the 90s and 2000s as well, but they are definitely a force to be reckoned with in the Puerto Rican Baseball League at the time. Uh, coincidentally, teams that were eliminated uh, during that time just didn't show up. They, they, they didn't show up to the games. Players at times didn't show up to their own teams because as soon as they realized there's no chance for them to make the playoffs or compete for a championship, they just didn't play. So they changed the playoff format to where the top four teams uh, made it into the championship round. They were part of the original Caribbean series with Cuba Venezuela and Panama. They created a very interesting rivalry, rivalry with Cuba in 1949. Uh, once Cuba decided to pull baseball or pull out of any diplomatic ties with any of a lot of countries uh, during the Cuban Revolution, uh, that kind of rivalry kind of ended. Uh, then, you know, the game grew. They came up with a bunch of really great players. They've had a ton of historical grand moments. Uh, the one, the two other things that I'll kind of tell you about is the dream team of the Caribbean series. Uh, that was the uh, Senadores de San Juan, or the San Juan Senators, Senadores, is Senators in uh, Spanish. Uh, won the Caribbean League, or Caribbean League, Caribbean Series in 1995. Once again, they were known as the Dream Team because they featured MLB talent at nearly every position. Uh, 
That team included, I mentioned some of them, but Roberto Alomar, Carlos Delgado, Bernie Williams, um, but it also included people like Carl Borrega, who was like an all-star, Ricky Bones, who won, I think, won reliever of the year twice. Uh, Roberto Hernandez, who I think is a cousin of Edgar. No, Roberto Hernandez is cousin of somebody else, but uh, Roberto was also an all-star at one point. Ruben Sierra, uh, not to be confused, was like Ruben Rivera, the guy who had such a base-running fiasco and somehow nearly scored. Uh, Ruben Sierra was a four-time All-Star. Uh, really good player. Don't really talk about him too much. I don't really know what happened to him. I know he used to play for the Yankees and he used to play for the Athletics. And then he just kind of stopped, as far as I'm aware. But yeah, like, this is a team that really had MLB talent. I, I mentioned the names that might make sense or might be familiar to you guys, but there were still players who had played in the MLB that were on the roster that I had not mentioned. Other players, uh, or rather, I don't want to make sure I mentioned that, but uh, they beat a very strong Dominican Republic team, uh, Los Toros de Este, formerly known as uh, Azucarios. Yesterday. Uh, at the time, that team had players such as Pedro Martinez, Jose Rios, Raul Mondesi, legends. Uh, I think one of them is Hall of Famer. I don't know if Rio is. Too. No, Rio isn't a Hall of Famer. But Rio uh, was still a really good pitcher during that time. Raul Mondesi, I want to say, is Hall is a Hall of Famer, and if it isn't, it's a shame. Raul is really good. And uh, Pedro Stasio uh, set a record for, like, a debut. I think he struck out 10 in a debut, which was a record at the time. And Jose Offerman, which, if you don't know about Jose Offerman, uh, he's gotten into some trouble. Uh, if you look up Jose Offerman, there's a bad incident in where he was in a minor league game and he clubbed somebody with a bat. Um, and then there is another incident, I want to say in Puerto Rico, <laughs> Puerto Rico, and where they, uh, and where he fought or got physical with an umpire, rather. So, you know, Offerman is like, Offerman's a weird dude. He, I mean, he played a little bit in the major leagues, which is weird, but definitely had a very weird career as well. Um. In 2007, August 2007, it was announced that the 2017, or not 2017, but a 2007-2008 season was canceled due to shrinking attendance and profits over the past 10 years. They've restructured, and MLB had a hand in you know, promoting the league, and then they came back the following year. Um... But I have had some issue with um, finances since then, and Hurricane Maria did definitely didn't help that. Uh, again, they played like 17 games in that abbreviated season, so it is what it is. And that, my friends, means that we are done with the Caribbean, done with Central America, and wow, all right, well. 
how do you guys enjoy that? How did you guys enjoy that? Uh, I had fun. I, I definitely had fun. Was uh, was doing the research and stuff like that, relaying all that information. I probably shouldn't have written. I probably shouldn't have wrote all that, all those notes and stuff like that, because I definitely didn't have the time. But, <laughs> but I definitely enjoyed it. Like I said, I love looking at baseball. I'm like tempted to, to do a baseball show of some sort, but like I couldn't do the base. I don't think I could do the baseball show and do this at the same time um i did kind of want to talk um i know again we're running long i i hopefully i'm not like breaking any rules by kind of going significantly over again no one follows me directly after this but you know i don't want to break any rules by like talking just for a minute about this you know like right now i'm 24 um by the end of next quarter, I'll be 25, which, you know, was a little old for, you know, a college student. Granted, I'm a graduate student, so being 25 at that point, uh, you know, isn't too ridiculous, but I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I've, I've, I've never gotten a chance to, to have a radio show and stuff like that, and I'm, like, really happy that I've gotten the opportunity. I don't know if you guys particularly love this. I don't know how many people sit down in the, you know, 1 p.m. Central Time or whatever time I decide to start this show and listen to it. But I'm, I'm just really thankful and really happy uh, to have the opportunity. For those of you who are listening or have been listening, you know, I'm just really happy for you guys to be listening in. Um, especially since I have no idea how many quarters I'll be allowed to do this. I can really only guarantee you next quarter and maybe one other quarter. So I can really only guarantee you two. I might, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to graduate, you know, in the winter, next quarter, or the spring of next quarter. I don't know if I'll be abroad at any point during that quarter. So, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but, you know, I'm trying my best. Uh, I want to, I want to be nom. My goal essentially, like, is I want to be nominated for some sort of award by the end of my time. Granted, I only have, like I said, two quarters. Even if I somehow manage to get, you know, finish out this year and then finish out next year, that's two years. That's not a very long time. It's not even two years. It's really just one. Um, but I'm going to continue to try my best. I'm going to try my best to continue to grow. I'm going to try my best to. Adapt the show, uh, not adapt, but update the show, adapt my voice, adapt my style, try to find that um, to be much more concise and clear and fun. And I hope you guys stick around for that journey as well. Because that's, that's, really, that's really the whole point of college radio is just to kind of like grow and get better. And... Yeah, I hope you guys stick around. Um, I thank you guys for putting up with me and my stumbleness and my muteness at times and my technical difficulties for this quarter. Um, really excited for this month because, you know, March Madness is coming up, so that's going to be fun. The Paul women, you know, I, I truly think that they are a very lucky team. I don't think they really deserve to be in the uh, 
in in the tournament. But you know what? I'm not gonna sit here and complain. You know, that's more to Paul women's basketball. I think they could definitely beat Dayton. I think I've seen a couple of uh, uh, Georgia games. So like, if they win against Dayton, they'll play against uh, University of Georgia. I think they could beat that Georgia team. Now, I don't know, because if they beat Georgia, they probably would have to face an Iowa team. Uh, and I want to say that player, uh, uh, who's that player? Not, who's that player? Because the player, uh, I want to, jeez, I wish I knew her name off the top of my head. Kaylin Clark, uh, just, just an absolute beast from three. I don't know if DePaul could beat in Iowa, just with Caitlin Clark and just the uh, just the other players on that roster. And then even if they beat Iowa, they're not being South Carolina. Like, yes, there's a little bit of bias for me because I graduated from the University of South Carolina, but they're not being South Carolina. South Carolina has, like, probably the national player of the year um, and Alicia Boston on that team. And Alicia Boston... No offense to Anisha Morrow, but I'd rather have uh, ever have Boston than Morrow. Even though Morrow is a freshman and Boston, I believe, is a senior. But still, if you had to make me pick between one and the other, Boston or Morrow. But still, like an Elite Eight appearance is still really great, especially considering that no one really expected you to be there. So, you know. I think that's great. Um, softball is coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, not a couple of weeks, but a couple of days, actually. Uh, Big East uh, Big East play in softball, uh, which will be broadcast here on Radio DePaul Sports. You'll definitely hear from me at some point during the season, either doing play-by-play or by doing live commentary. I'm looking forward to that, especially because I love baseball and have really wanted to do this for a while. That's particularly why I joined Radio DePaul Sports. Um, DePaul softball is not really great at the moment, but I mean, they're great. I mean, they beat Stanford, which being Stanford, I think is a plus because Stanford's always a really good team. They played a good Minnesota team, um, which I, I don't think they've ranked yet, but they were getting votes at the time that they were playing it. Um, all things considered, they actually played a number eight, uh, then number eight uh, Oklahoma State team pretty well. Like they lost four to zero, but like if you looked at the game at a whole, like they lost four to zero. It's not like they lost like they were completely dominated throughout the game. Like it was really just one really bad inning, and they just never could get any hits and runs on board. So I mean, it's a very and, and granted, DePaul should have won a couple games here or there, you know. They they lost to teams that they should lose to like a like a Florida or an Old Miss and an Oklahoma State. I think it's gonna be interesting to see how they stack up to teams uh, in the Big East. I mean, they won the regular season tournament the last full year that softball was there. So I don't know. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be interesting. I look forward to kind of following. Fall softball, um, and then again, MLB season is coming up. I don't think we'll get any games in March, 
but we'll definitely get eight games in April. So look forward to next quarter. And I know when we are running late, I am like, I think I'm like an hour 45 in the show. I'm going to go ahead and sign off now. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys so much for listening into World Sports Roundabout. When we come back, we'll finally start tackling South America. Who knows if we'll finish South America by the end of the quarter, next quarter. But until then, my name is Brandon Bones. This has been World Sports Roundabout. And in a roundabout way, I will see you guys next quarter. And have a happy, uh, what's it called? St. Special Day. Safe. Safe St. Special Day. Bye.